This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hour number three of BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM is here. Ed Egros, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to talk a little college basketball is Isaac Trotter of 24-7 Sports. Isaac, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Let's start with a general trend that we've seen in the sport over the last few weeks. A lot of home teams, unranked home teams, are knocking off the big boys. We've seen Kentucky go down, Purdue go down, Arizona, Houston, Tennessee. They all lost on the road. So what does this mean in terms of those upcoming matchups where, say, we have an unranked home team? Maybe they're not even that talented, but you do see them playing well and hanging against stiff competition at home. Yeah, I think it just kind of goes back to my theory that college basketball is as wide open as it's ever been so far this year. Uh, Just with the transfer portal, you know, the COVID year, having these fifth-year seniors playing, we're seeing a lot of really competent teams. And so I don't think there's that elite team right now in college basketball. There's a lot of really good teams maybe, but I don't think that top tier is like, oh, my gosh, they're just going to blow the doors off of anybody on any court at any time. So I think that Mm kind of opens things up, too, from like a a futures perspective as well. I think there's some mispriced teams out there right now as well that are a little bit maybe more vulnerable than we thought like there's some there's some long shots out there like for me like a long shot that I look at is Wake Forest they're 150 to one on certain some books to win it all that's a team they're nine and one since they've gotten their whole crew back they've had a couple guys from the transfers that got ruled eligible to play you know, and you see some of the teams that are like have lower odds in them ahead of them. UCLA is 66 to one at this one book I'm looking at. It and it's like UCLA is a train wreck. They're not going to make the NCAA tournament. Wake mm-hmm. Forest is maybe the second or third best team in the in the ACC. So I think from that perspective, it's like that's where I'm looking farther down the board because we've seen these teams are not as like they're not as like dominant as we might have thought originally. And now there's these opportunities for these really talented groups from the from the long shots perspective, from a futures perspective, that I think could make some really, really interesting noise if they get the right draw in March. Uh, Isaac, what I find interesting is it feels like even though it's January, the market's kind of caught up. And, and what I mean by that is it's headline news, top five team loses outright on the road. Like that's a big story. But does it – I don't know, like what you're kind of explaining is – everything's so close anyways, unranked versus ranked. The gap isn't that wide, so it shouldn't be all that shocking. And then, like, when you look at it, okay, the Arizona one was a surprise. They were a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. But Texas A&M closed as a favorite over Kentucky. Like, that that's where we are now. Texas A&M was minus two-and-a-half. Houston, oh, they're going to lose again. Okay, bit of a surprise there with TCU. 
but that was a three and a half point spread. Like it wasn't much. So like, I I'm starting to wonder when you get these highly ranked teams and you see low point spreads like that, if like the alarm bell should be going off. Uh, no, for sure. And, you know, it's like it's one of those things with the preseason priors, too. Like, how long are we readjusting from what we thought these teams were? Because if you told me in the preseason, hey, TCU is going to beat Houston at home. I don't think anybody would have been surprised by that. TCU is a really, really good basketball right. team. So, like, that's kind of where from from my process perspective of, like, trying to eliminate some of the preseason bias. Because there's some really darn good teams that just didn't play that well early in the season. And now, you know, like the other one, too, that stood out to me was, like, Texas Tech, T, uh, T, uh, Texas. Texas Tech beats Texas. Like, that's not a surprise at all. But everything on social media, oh, Texas, number 25 Texas, upset by Texas Tech. Even though Texas Tech was right. the better team and has been the better team all season long. How do you rank UConn? Because the Huskies are one of the only top teams that didn't take an L over this chaotic week that we just saw. Yeah, I think you could maybe argue that Purdue has the better resume, but I don't think there's been a team that's shown a high-end ceiling as good as UConn. And, you know, it's supposed to be really, really hard to repeat, but this group seems very intent on making a really, really deep run. And they just got a, a really nice mix. And they've been really injured, too. Like, they had they missed Steph Castle for a, a, a significant amount of time, and Donovan Klingon has missed some time as well. Now he's starting to get back healthy. But when this group is fully together – I mean, if someone says they're the number one team in the country, I don't really have a, a really good case to argue because they defend so well. They have great rim protection. They can really shoot it. Multiple shooters, they're old, but then also a mix of young guys that are coming in and really adding a different juice to that team. And, and Dan Hurley is one of the best coaches in college basketball. So, you know, it, it's hard to repeat, but UConn looks like they have a really, really good chance. So what do we do with, say, all of these upsets and the fact that the market has, has caught up in all of this stuff? Because... I wonder in terms of resumes and how to evaluate these teams in terms of the NCAA tournament and futures for Final Four, National Championship, all that good stuff. Like, what are we looking for exactly? Because if everybody is going to succumb to bad road performances, then what's going to stand out as far as what we're looking for that gives you hope that they can make a run in the NCAA tournament when everything is supposedly on a neutral court? Yeah, I mean, I, I look for the teams that are winning on road, ro winning road games. We should reward those teams. If you're able to go on the road in this environment right now and win, that's huge. You know, again, the other thing that I keep looking for is top 20 offenses and defenses. I think there's only four teams right now out there that have a top 20 offense and defense when you take preseason priors out. That's a team like Auburn, who, I mean, we've talked about on this show, I was really high on them in the preseason. They were 12 to one at some spots to win the SEC. That number's long gone, right? Like North Carolina is another team lately. There's offensively, I don't think we have a lot of issues, but defensively they're starting to really round into form. So th those are the type of teams that I'm looking for. If you can go on the road and win in this environment, and you're able to do it on both ends. And we see a lot of teams that are really good on one end and really kind of crappy at the other end. Like that's, those are the teams I'm eyeing right now. Yeah. And Isaac, um, there are a few spots tonight, I think that kind of, kind of fit what we're talking about. And I, you tell me if you think any of these are upset alert, like or maybe not like, you know, TCU's ranked in the top 20, but they're a three and a half point dog at unranked Cincinnati, which is kind of interesting. Baylor top 10 team in the country. They're only laying one and a half at unranked Kansas State. And and then there's like New Mexico laying five and a half against number 16, Utah State. Any Anything in those three games jump out? Yeah, I really like New Mexico. I think New Mexico makes a ton of sense tonight. That's a really, really talented roster. Utah State does not have a lot of continuity this year. 
Um, but they've played great. They're one of the best stories in college basketball. Danny Sprinkle's done a really good job, but that New Mexico backcourt is nice. Like they have, they're healthy now and they are really deep and great. Osabar is the stud for Utah state, but he's kind of gotten some of his numbers against some of these undermanned front courts lately. New Mexico does not have that. JT Toppin has been an awesome rim protector this year. They also got Nelly Jr. Joseph, a transfer out of Iona, who played for Rick Pitino. So I think New Mexico makes a ton of sense tonight. Uh, the other game that really stands out to me is like this Iowa State-BYU game. You know, Iowa State yeah. is a phenomenal defensive team this year, but like they really struggle to guard the three. That's BYU's bread and butter. And so I think Jackson Robinson, if you if you have access to props over one and a half threes there, makes a ton of sense to me. You know, I, I looked at the numbers. Iowa State, unguarded catch-and-shoot threes this year. They're allowing over 10 unguarded catch-and-shoot threes. That ranks 332nd nationally. Robinson had an eight three-pointer game earlier this year. He's had multiple threes in each of the first 10 games of the season, so he's a little bit cooled off lately. But that's a guy, like, from a props perspective, he's going to have a really good opportunity to get six or seven attempts tonight, and he's one of the better shooters in the country. So that's that's another angle that I'm eyeing tonight. I know you've mentioned you're big on props. Is there any other uh, areas where you're looking matchup-wise for some props? Yeah, let's look at Indiana-Purdue, right? Um, this is a game, again, at home. Purdue it, it, Purdue going on the road, nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Like, that's – it's a kind of an interesting spot. But for me, again, I, I look at Zach Eady rebounds. He had 18 and 16 rebounds against Indiana last year. So his number today is 11-and-a-half. And centers against Indiana have eaten all year long. Pharrell Payne had 10 in 29 minutes. Cliff Omaruri had 11 rebounds in 32 minutes. Felix Opara had 15 in 31 minutes. Hunter Dickinson had 14 rebounds. So, like, that's a spot for me. Zach Eady on the glass against Indiana makes a ton of sense. Indiana is big, which keeps him in the paint. They don't really have those stretch fives that can really make him have to run out to the perimeter to contest threes a ton. And their their inability to rebound on the offensive glass is really jarring for Indiana this year. So, you know, Eady could have five, six, seven offensive rebounds tonight. So that makes a lot of sense. Fletcher Lawyer over 10.5 points, too, in that matchup makes a lot of sense as well. Indiana's defense is a little bit old school where they allow a lot of unguarded catch-and-shoot threes. They're kind of like always trying to plug the gaps, and they've allowed shooters have been able to get theirs against them. Fletcher Lawyer, super combustible, big-time player who, you know, in some of their biggest games this year, he'll go for 30, right? Tennessee learned all about that the bad way. So he's a little bit hot and cold, but he's a guy who can really get it going from downtown. 90% of Fletcher Lawyer's threes this year are catch-and-shoot threes. So he's going to have really good opportunities. So over 10.5 or over one and a half threes, both of those make a lot of sense to me in that spot. I got some others, too, if you want me to rattle them off. Well, okay yeah. then. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll uh, yeah. Yeah, put my feet up, Isaac. Let's uh, that's another one that's let's do this thing. Yeah, let's go. Uh, yeah. Let's go, Alabama, Missouri. Um, uh-huh. Again, Missouri, one of the worst three-point defenses this year, three hundred and seventh nationally. We talked about Iowa State earlier, and Missouri is in the same spot where they just allow a ton of wide-open catch-and-shoot threes, uh, and that's a really bad matchup against Alabama. So, Rylan Griffin. Him to hit multiple threes tonight is, is plus money. He's one of the best shooters in the country. His numbers don't necessarily represent it, but he's, you're talking about five or six attempts that you can get from him tonight, probably. And he's he's a big-time shot maker, big-time shot maker. And then to pair that with, you go at Mark Sears, over three-and-a-half assists. He's been one of their like go-to scorers so far this year, but he still has a pretty high assist rate, just a smidge under Aaron Estrada for assist rate. And I think Alabama has a chance to put a hundred piece on Missouri tonight, like just with the offensive stylistically, what they're able to do. And Mark Sears is going to, if that happens, Mark Sears is going to cruise over three and a half uh, assists. And then the last one, not my favorite, but it's an interesting one from this afternoon. Tennessee plays Florida on the road at Tennessee. 
Tennessee's defense, we've talked a lot about three-point defenses that stink. Tennessee's three-point defense is phenomenal. They allow the fewest catch-and-shoot threes this year, just uh, just under five per game, just unbelievable on, on unguarded catch-and-shoot threes. They just don't let those happen. And Will Richard under one-and-a-half threes at plus 130. He just had 10 attempts last game. Everybody, like, the number has really readjusted. I feel like the books have had a hard time with this guy all season long. One time over one-and-a-half threes will be, you know, plus 150. The next game under one-and-a-half threes is plus 130. They just are having a really hard time sticking with him because his volume can kind of be up and down. So it's not my favorite, but I think it's a guy that he has – chances where he could only have two or three attempts and I think if that happens tonight against a Tennessee defense that just takes away what he's really good at that's a big time opportunity especially in a game where Florida struggles to turn the basketball over Tennessee will turn you over that leads to less shots for Florida so less chances for for Will Richard to cash this number so those are the some of the angles I'm looking at tonight uh let's look at tomorrow any chance Houston makes it three in a row they're hosting Texas Tech Three, any, any, or is this like this is the prime bounce back spot? They lost a couple of tough road games, really close, and then they're going to be ready. Yeah, I, I, Kelvin Sampson is he's just wired differently. I went down to Big Twelve Media Days yeah. and I'm talking to him, and you just talked to him a little bit, and he's just. <laughs> He's nasty. He's got some nasty in him. So I think Houston comes out tomorrow and really instills their will. The strength of this Texas Tech team is that backcourt, which Houston just ev- eviscerates guards. Like their defense is so, so good about about defending thing, uh, defending lead guards this year. So if you're able to take Pop Isaacs out, force him to take tough shots, make Joe Toussaint take tough shots, I think this Texas Tech offense, it has put up pretty good numbers this year, could be a little bit vulnerable. That's a good Texas Tech team, but they're not very deep after an injury. Mm-hmm. They don't really have a bunch of beef inside. And I think that Houston's going to go to work on the offensive glass. It's all on Warren Washington and Darian Williams to really hit the glass for, for Texas Tech. And that's that's a bad matchup against a Houston team that they'll send three or four guys to the glass and they will go hard at offensive rebounds. So I'd expect a pretty big bounce back spot for Houston against a Texas Tech team that's thin. But it's it's also one of those spots where I just think Houston's guards are better than Texas Tech's guards. I'm curious your thoughts on Gonzaga. They've fallen out of the AP poll for the first time in almost 10 years after dropping a road game to Santa Clara. I mean, wow. I guess it's kind of an end of an era now. We're seeing a big free fall for the Bulldogs. No, you're right. It's a great point. And, you know, you're kind of starting to look at their resume going, do they have to win the West Coast Conference tournament to make the big dance? Like, that's legitimately on the table here. Now, they do have a big game against Kentucky. Um, I don't remember exactly when that is. It's kind of like a middle of the SEC slate randomly. Gonzaga is going to go play Kentucky. That's going to be a huge game for their resume because they need to have it if they want to have an at-large case. So it's definitely one of those conversations where early in the preseason, everyone's like, could St. Mary's beat Gonzaga for the West Coast Conference? And like they were pretty close from a from a futures perspective out there. St. Mary's opens the year looking like garbage. Gonzaga's now not really playing very, very well. So it's kind of like an open season now right now in the West Coast Conference. I, I still have faith that Gonzaga is going to find a way to get this done and get to the big tent or get to the big dance. I just don't know if this team is built to really advance, you know, like they, like they're really thin and that, that preseason injury to steel venters, you know, he's Eastern Washington transfer and doesn't really make a lot of uh, headlines there, but that's a big loss for them. And it feels like they're all on, you know, they have two guards, right? Like they have to play two guards and they have to play three bigs and playing three power forwards in a modern era of basketball is just, it's just really, really tough to win that way. So Gonzaga is a solid team, but 
they have to get really, really lucky in the West Coast Conference tournament, I think, to make the NCAA tournament, which sounds stunning for a Mark Few program that's been uh, honestly one of college basketball's best programs over the past 10 to 15 years. God, it's like you could rattle off the names that have been a part of that program the last couple of years of them being in this position. Yeah, it is crazy. Isaac Trotter of 24-7 Sports, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we will update the NFL coaching odds coming up on the BetQL Network. We'll be right You know, through a, through a tough time. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni is still leading the program at last check as I continue to update Twitter, but is he a dead man walking? I guess we'll find out before too long. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Ed Egros, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And if you look closely enough, you can find opportunities to bet on who will be the next head coach at particular teams. And as we look at some of the favorites for certain vacancies, we see that Bill Belichick is the favorite both with the Atlanta Falcons and with the Dallas Cowboys and with the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, the last two haven't made uh, any decisions official. Uh, but Kellen Moore is the favorites uh, at 2-1 to one to be the new next head coach uh, with Carolina. We've got Jim Harbaugh bandied about as going to the L.A. Chargers. Great post by the L.A. Chargers uh, Twitter group, by the way, the social media group, by the way. Uh, But there are other favorites in other places. And so, Joe, when you take a look at the next coach markets, which one stands out to you the most as something that you want to pounce on right away? Oh, I don't know about pounce on right away, but the biggest thing that jumps out is Belichick is favored to to be the head coach at three different spots right now. Like, that's amazing. The power of Belichick. He's favored. He's going to coach Atlanta. three different teams. That's incredible. Yes. And two of them still have coaches. He's favored to be the next head coach in Dallas, the next head coach in Philly, and then and the next head coach in Atlanta. And two of them are uh, odds on favorites. Dallas minus 175, Atlanta minus 150 last check. And then the Philly one. Uh, that's plus money. I That's the one that really jumps out to me. Um, Honestly, I look at a lot of these favorites guys and I don't think they're going to happen. Obviously, Belgium can only be one, but Aaron, the one that really stands out is, wait, Ben Johnson's going to be the hot name and he's going to go to Washington. Like he's the favorite there now. I feel like they're going to mess that one up at some point. I just hope he doesn't. I like the guy. He's got a bright future. <laughs> Don't come to Washington. Don't like, come here. Gosh, that, that just sounds terrifying. I mean, at least Dan Snyder's not here. But, like, if I was the hot commodity coach, I'd want to walk into a better situation. Like, I would just need to see more. Like, this team feels like it's been cursed for a while. I'll... Oh, man, we lost you, Aaron. Aaron, I think we lost you. Audio went out again. Uh, Yes, well, she's working on that. Uh, You know, I I find it interesting when we're talking about Ben Johnson because, you know, stability matters. How much they're going to pay you probably matters more than anything else because I think coaches are competitive, competitive enough to believe that whatever situation they can go in, unless it's Carolina, 
They can probably win a championship with whatever they have. And I keep coming back to this point that, yeah, there are a lot of dysfunctional things in Washington, but different ownership certainly helps that cause. But also being able to pick your quarterback of the future instead of inheriting something, I have to believe too, Joe, that that matters at the end of the day. Being able to handpick your rookie quarterback, I got to think there's some freedom to that. Yeah. You know, it depends on the candidate. But there are probably certain candidates where it would be a good thing to have the quarterback in place. Like if you're Belichick, mm-hmm. I'd like to go to a place where that's handled. I don't have to worry about finding the next guy. I don't have a lot of time. Okay, cool. And then there are certain guys like Ben Johnson, like you're alluding to, where they want to pick the guy. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, we, I think Aaron's we still having audio clicking and yeah our eardrums are popping it's not good all right turn her off all right um all right the uh yeah so like we've spent so much time talking about belichick and harbaugh and ben johnson for good reason right those are gonna be headline stories but what about like the quote second tier guys like what's come of this playoff run Slovak's going to get a job, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he's earned that, if, if nothing else. And I, I think, like, we probably overvalue playoff runs a little too much. At least we, the fans, the public, do that just because, like, we think it's the best indicator of future success as a head coach. But I do think, Mm -hmm. too, like we also forget that being a head coach is more than just dominating whatever job you have in the moment. Like if you are a coordinator, I don't think your ranking as a coordinator should necessarily matter as far as like your ability to be a head coach. Like Ben Johnson could crash and burn, even if he is the best offensive coordinator and play caller going right now. He could crash and burn as a head coach because the responsibilities are very, very different. And maybe he's not good at those things. And so it's really hard to say. And that's why, like, the interview and stuff like that leads me to believe that there are going to be some long shots in these markets that I'm likelier to back compared with, like, Kellen Moore might be a really good example here. Like, what is it about Kellen Moore that makes you believe that he can be a head coach? Like, even if you believe that he is a top three play caller, being a head coach is a very different animal. So what makes you think that he can be successful in what is the most dysfunctional situation in the NFL? Yeah, no, I know. I th- I thought that was just more telling about the situation, that it mm-hmm. was part of the thinking with the numbers that were set with Mel- more as the favorite was, look, they're going to get the last choice. Like everybody's going to land their coach and they're probably going to be the last one. And then once they pick a guy, is that guy willing to come? Or does he want to wait his current job and say, there's going to be something better down the road. I don't want to deal with that. And I'll only last probably a couple of years and never get another job. So I don't want to use it up on you. Sorry, dude. Not with that situation. Um, Mm -hmm. Slowick is the favorite for Tennessee, the second favorite for Washington, the second favorite for Dallas, if that becomes open. So like that, that's what one playoff win can do for you. It's fascinating. What about Vrabel? Nobody's talking about him right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, where's he going? Is he going somewhere? I, 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 
You know, it's so funny. Like, and, and I know this isn't answering the question, but it, yeah. it's funny how we were just talking about Nick Sirianni and the Eagles crashing and burning to the finish line and feeling like he's just not the guy anymore. You know, Vrabel had something similar happen to him last year. And I don't recall hearing nearly as much chatter that he should lose his job despite that losing streak that opened the door for the Jaguars to win that division when they were massive long shots midway through. So it is intriguing to me, if nothing else, that Vrabel gets a lot more respect, even though he has had a similar dynamic. And I wonder if that is a knock that maybe we're not talking about enough that maybe prevents him from getting something in this hiring cycle. I think the big difference with those two situations is like the the noise that we're hearing about Sirianni and the disconnect with the players coming out of the locker mm-hmm. room because I think the players really like Vrabel and there's more respect there whereas I don't think that's the case with Sirianni. I mean, you you know, you can make the comparisons about how the seasons have gone and the records and all of that, but I think what's going on behind the scenes might be a bigger deal in Philadelphia where you just can't fix Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Big move on the Eagles market. If Sirianni's gone, so the, right before the show when I looked, it was Belichick, the favorite at plus 250. Now it's Vrabel minus 150 as the favorite. Wow. 
Yeah. Doesn't that make sense? Wow. It's the case. Yes. It's the case you guys yes. were making for Belichick yesterday, except it's the next I mean, next Belichick's a little heavy, but it's that same <laughs> process without all the baggage and egos. Like there's still gonna be some of that, but without like Howie's ego and how's that gonna mesh with Belichick, who has had personnel control in the past and all that. Like Vrabel had and a if little it works, bit of that he can be there a long time. And he can be there forever if it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's my question, though, with Vrabel and the Eagles. Vrabel is not really known as an analytically driven head coach. Can that work in Philadelphia? Like, that is what they do. They go for two. They go for it on fourth down a lot more. I know it's the, the yeah. simple things, but there are other things that they do that are more analytically driven than, say, what the Titans had done over the last few years. Obviously, that franchise is changing now, but... To me, it's not a fit just because Vrabel seems more old school to me, whereas the Eagles are way more forward thinking. Now, look, Vrabel can change. Absolutely, he can. But will he, though? I don't know if I buy that. That would be determined in the interview process. It's like, look, we're going to call down and say, this is a go for it. Like, this is a go for it situation. Yes, like Mm -hmm. you either have to say yes to these or this is not a fit. So I think if he takes the job, then it's a fit because that'll have been hashed out and how he's got his team making those decisions. Um, I, I think it's say, just or, be or this a guy's, yes man in those spots. This yeah. guy's on your coaching staff. He has a say. Yeah. That's how it would work. Right. Just tell, tell mm-hmm. us if it's not going to work. If you don't want to right. do that, fine. We'll just move forward. Or maybe they but, meet in the middle, too, instead of being on two opposite ends of the spectrum. Right, right, right. That is it possible? Help. Yes. Yes. It most certainly does. The massive regression that they felt, especially in that secondary, certainly needs some help. No, no doubt about it. And I would also argue that offensive line suddenly needs help for the Eagles. So what does that mean in terms of wanting a guy who knows the trenches really well? And that's the identity of the Eagles, right? Like offense and defensive trenches. Like that's who they are. Yeah. So is that something that should be focused on a little bit more than just say – you know, someone with head coaching experience. Well, there's probably going to be a lot of changes there with so many veteran older players. Like, they're all gone, man. Pick and choose. Yeah. Yeah. It's a new era. It happens. It's part of it. Yeah. Um, Is it? Go ahead, Drew. I was just going to mention Seattle. Like, this Mm -hmm. is the spot that's getting kind of lost a little bit. Dan Quinn's still the favorite. At minus 110. Vrabel, the second favorite. Slowick, third. Canales, fourth. What? I I said right away that if I'm Seattle, I'm going the offensive direction with the division I'm in. And, you know, we need to be more forward thinking, kind of getting away from the Pete Carroll way. I know the connections. And I'm not trying to overreact to what we saw over the weekend. I would not hire Dan Quinn, guys. I'd have no I, – I would go – I think they need to go in a different direction. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. And I don't even think it's just because of what happened in the over the weekend. Like, I'm – I would love to see, like, a Ben Johnson go there, you know, and just kind of, like, breathe new life into that Seahawks organization and go in a completely different direction. I, I wouldn't – I don't know. The Dan Quinn thing doesn't get me too excited. 
the danger with taking a coordinator who did really, really well, and this isn't so much a Dan Quinn thing, but this is just more general insight, I think, where, Mm -hmm. okay, they did really, really well in this one situation, but can they translate that elsewhere? With Dan Quinn, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, he's been phenomenal with Micah Parsons and company, but he also has had experiences where things didn't exactly go well. So did he learn from those things? Is he better overall than he was before? Those are some real serious questions. Whereas if you're taking a coordinator who has been successful in different spots, I do wonder if that should matter a little bit more. And they're not writing, you know, one or two players who can compensate for just about anything. And this is one of the reasons why Dave Canales makes so much sense to me. First off, he has the connections to Seattle, so that matters. He's at seven to one. He made it work with Baker Mayfield. He made it work with Geno Smith. That universality matters a lot to me, and I really hope he gets an opportunity. Plus, he's a SoCal guy, so that matters too. I I was just thinking that's the play. That's the best because I I want them to go offense. This guy has the connections, and, like, we're living in a world where they might be in the NFC Championship game. It's Mm -hmm. mattered. It's impact. And he keeps developing quarterbacks. Gino got paid off of working with this guy. So, yeah, I I think it's pretty easy. I'd, I'd go that route. Yeah, I'd like that too much. Too much fun. Too, yeah, too many different things that he could do. Like, that would be tons of fun to me. Um, what else, Aaron, kind of stands out to you as far as, uh, you know, these markets are concerned? What What do you think? What What is Washington going to do? Like, I mean, they got to get somebody like they have to hire someone like what what would make the most sense? Gosh, I just saw Jimmy Johnson at an offshore uh, book for Cowboys head coach. Sorry, I just love um, that. Commanders, I, I think someone younger. Um, but I um, honestly, I'm, I don't know if they're going to be able to get like one of these big names just because of how bad things have been and how much work I, there is to do there. I can't wait to see where, uh, when the music stops, how, what some of these landing spots end up with. It sounds like Pierce is going to stay in Vegas. Yeah. It really does. Wow. Good for him. This is MetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our lightning bets, our favorite plays for tonight, coming up on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you. We will get to our lightning bets in just a bit. But first, BetMGM is telling us how the public is betting on the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And there is one common trend here, guys. It's the fact that the public really, really likes the Green Bay Packers. In terms of most bet on tickets uh, for teams, it's the Packers plus 10. Most bet overs, Packers 49ers 50 and a half. Though we've made that argument in favor of going over. And the most bet underdog money line, Packers plus 375. Joe, why do you suppose this is? Is this because the Packers did it against the Dallas Cowboys? Or is there something about Jordan Love where the public really feels like he is the next coming of the greatest quarterback of all time? So we're taking this as public action. Like, I'm trying yes. to figure out, like, how do we take this? Because the public usually waits. This is early, but maybe maybe they 
behave differently when you get to the playoffs. Like they're more willing to bet earlier in the week instead of waiting till game day. Um, right, right. Yeah, that that's why I can't do Green Bay. That's one of the reasons. We see it all the time. There's an overreaction, and I really want to take Green Bay getting double digits, but I'll be playing the total in that game. Even though I do think that the Packers should be able to get theirs offensively, I'm a little concerned about the Shanahan-Berry matchup. Extra time to prepare. Oh, yeah. He's been sitting around, and Shanahan has, has Barry's number. Like, we've seen it, right? So, yeah. Actually, I can't get there. Did they coach? Was Joe Barry the D coordinator in Washington when Shanahan was here? They may have crossed paths. I'd have to go. I feel back like everybody in they, the NFL was on that coaching staff at this point. I know. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were on the same coaching staff at the same time. But, um, yeah, I agree. Uh, this is also why I think Jordan Love would be the Super Bowl MVP, though, because of all this Jordan Love noise that we're getting i just think it would be him like it's yeah it's gotten kind of crazy you know mm-hmm. they're we didn't talk about it during the super bowl mvp segment like they're in the same range like does any part of you think should i put something on strider love like 35 or 40 <sighs> so i already have the texans 85 to 1 to win the oh, super right. bowl so there's i was so going to you're set yeah. for life now. <laughs> Baby needs I'm a good. new home. I get it. It's fine. I, <laughs> I I still can't get past the Stroud's a rookie thing. Like everything yeah. is going right for him with, you know, Sands a couple of wide receiver injuries, but I still feel like being a rookie at some point, you're you're gonna trip up somewhere, some way, somehow. So in that respect, I'm nervous. And then when it comes to love, like, has it lasted long enough? Like, is there a large enough sample size for us to buy into this being a real thing? And if we go by historical trends, the answer is no. Like, it was phenomenal what he did, and I really believe in him going forward. But in terms of this playoff run, I got to think at one point it's just not going to work out well. And look, if this game goes 31-20, like Jordan Love could still have had a great performance, but the Niners cover the number and it goes over. Also... How much are you losing the number if they win this weekend? They're both almost 10, 10 point dogs. Like they're both what? Mm-hmm. 30 and 34. They're both 34 to one. Uh, it looks like, I guess there's a 40 out there on Stroud. Like what's that dropping? Right. If they win the game, what's that dropping to? Well, if they, five, if they're, like that's worth it. No yeah. way shorter. They're 15? in the final four. Maybe for, for MVP. And th- these are quarterback centric yeah. teams. So yeah, they, it would go way shorter. Yeah. But then you're, I mean, I don't know. I don't, it's almost worth it as a 10 point dog. They're not like inside a touchdown, like double digit mm-hmm. dogs, almost more than a touchdown for both of them. Is that worth, I don't know. To me, it might be worth waiting to see them win this game and then take whatever numbers left. I hear you. But for the green Bay one, these were the two toughest steps. Points spread. Dallas. Fair enough there. San Francisco. Which is crazy to say that it gets easier. Right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. <laughs> this, you know, it's funny, Paul, like this almost feels like a Baker Mayfield argument to me because it's only six against Detroit. If Tampa Bay pulls off the upset, then you're losing a lot of value if you don't pounce on Mayfield to win MVP right now. 
Oh my god. Just that sentence. Right? <laughs> oh, it should all make no. a shudder. No doubt. No. It's not the cold outside. It's Baker Mayfield what's, MVP making a shudder. What's that what's that number next week? Eight and a half? Is it ten in San Francisco? Oh, Baker, okay. the Bucks. Yeah. Ten. Like might, as opposed to Jordan Love, Baker still got the hardest step left. Right. Like if if Love wins this. Other thing too is Mayfield, and I don't. Again, the market may disagree with this, but I also think Mayfield is one of those quarterbacks we were talking about, not guaranteed to win MVP because Mike Evans is in the picture, or one phenomenal defender in the Super Bowl could be in the picture. So that's why it, it, there's a good Baker Mayfield argument to be made as far as that respect. So, so there's that. Okay, college baseball is just around the corner, and Jake Hassan has been in the lab cooking up a future that we should be pouncing on now that some books have uh, odds out. So, Jake, without further ado, who do you like as a long shot to win the College World Series? Yeah, absolute banger. We're a month away from opening day for college baseball, and one one domestic has the numbers open, and I immediately sprinted to go look at them. And this number just popped. I thought it was going to be a big number. This was even longer than I thought. It's 250 to one. And this league never, ever wins. But it's a price play. It's a big 10 team. It's Indiana baseball. And they came in second in the league. Yeah, Okay, hear me out. This is not a Gertz play. They came in second in the big 10 last year. They have the Big Ten Freshman of the Year coming back, as well as two other really good offensive players who were Summer League All-Stars. They're coming back. The problem with Indiana is I don't know who's going to pitch for them necessarily because they lost their ace to injury. But, 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 but. Kyle Schwarber ain't walking through that door. Correct. Hawk, what are we doing here? What What is this? What What is this right now? <laughs> anyway, that funny. Anyway, it's 250 to 1. They came in second in the league last year. Maryland won the Big Ten last year. They lost a ton of players. They're not going to win again. Iowa is the one team I'm worried about in this conference, but I think Indiana, in their fifth year with their manager, Jeff Mercer, they're looking for back to back tournament appearances. This will be the third time in his five years that they've made it. I think this is a position where the price could come way down because they open the year with a ranked Duke team and a ranked Coastal team. If they win one or both of those games, they're going to be a ranked team. That 251 isn't going to last. I think they're going to be at or near the top of the Big Ten. They're going to be in the tournament. I think they have enough talent offensively. It's just a matter of if they can get the rotation figured out, they could be a really, really good team. And so this is a price play. I just think it's going to come down really fast, really soon. Can you pitch and you still have four years of eligibility left? I do, but I do. it ain't going to be pretty. Okay. Did you pitch? It seems like it is. No. No. I, I, oh. I made it to sophomore year high school baseball. I didn't do anything. There you go. State golf. Golf, race. baby. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Jake is like an all-time golf guy. Like, talented. I don't know all time, but yeah, like What's stud, your handicap, Jake. Like all state, all country. It's like it's all bogey state? golf. 
Okay. I was not all state. I went to the state tournament. Did I perform well? No, but I was there. I, all I American, Jake Hassan. Yeah. All state, yeah. All conference. So, I was there. I didn't necessarily do great. I was there. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I was wow. like, Hawk, how did you find, like, I guess it's on her Instagram. Never she mind. had Forget a hat it. on. Yes, it is. Yeah. Right. Ooh, what what are you talking about? Oh, Alabama. My friend who I hung out with over the weekend. Hawks Fred. was in the weeds. Air quotes. Yeah, right. Correct. She had a hat oh, on. A... I saw it. Roll damn tie. Yeah, Does she know PJ? I'd be. I would right, be shocked. Were I have not asked, but I would be shocked. More than that. Yeah, lightning guts. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm gonna go to the Australian Open and give you some futures, guys. A square play and a surprise. Novak Djokovic plus one ten to win it all. This is not Carlos Alcaraz's surface. Rafa Nadal's not playing, so there are few contenders who can dethrone the goat. I would put a couple of units on Djokovic or do a rollover to the end. So that makes sense. And then on the women's side, I don't like the slow start by Iga Sviatic in her first match. Coco Goff plus 450 tied for second shortest with Arena Sabalenka, which I don't love given world rankings, but Grand Slam experience is great. Surface works for her and she can beat anybody. So Coco Goff to win the Aussie Open, Joe. Man, I really want to take New Mexico, but this number is just getting out of hand. It's all the way up to six and a half. But I understand people that are backing New Mexico against Utah State. But I am looking in the NBA. I've talked myself into the Nuggets plus three and a half at Philly. Going to get a big performance out of Jokic. And uh, I like Phoenix as a home favorite. They're laying four against Sacramento. I'll be on the Suns minus four and a half. This is a Kings team wrapping up a five-game road trip where they've just played some really good teams, taking a couple L's. I don't know how much gas they're going to have left for this game, so give me the Suns. Paul? All right, I have actually a week 18. Nope, it's a divisional weekend, whatever, week 20. Yes, prop. Week 20. Uh, some props are already posted. Weather is going to be fine in Buffalo, and we are getting under 230 for Josh Allen. Okay, fine. I'll bite. 227 and a half passing yards. Uh, I'll go over that on Josh Allen. And I've been talking about a college basketball price drop. Kentucky. Uh, They're 22 to 1 now. Top 10 in offensive efficiency. They're in the 50s in defensive efficiency. They got some work to do there, but the best price by far is 22 to 1 on them. So I'm riding with the Wildcats, and apparently I'll be riding with the SEC this season because that adds to some others as well. Auburn. Now now I know why you wanted us to ask about Kentucky with Isaac Trotter. I was just about to say that. Confirmation bias. You know, ask Kentucky. Thanks for watching and listening to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. For those listening, Jim Roman's next. For those watching on Twitch, stay tuned for the Daily Tip. Take care, everybody.